Hello, and welcome to the Rooted in Reliability podcast, your plant performance podcast, where we dive deeper into asset management techniques and know-how. I'm your host, James Kovacic, and I will be your guide to achieving industry best practice. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is here to provide you with the insights to improve plant performance and deliver bottom line results to your organization. In case you missed the last episode, you can find the Rooted in Reliability podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on the reliability.fm network. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Now let's dive into today's topic. Do you have plans August 25th and 26th? Add Leading Reliability Conference to your calendar. Join Iridicio, RDI Technologies, Fluke Reliability, and UE Systems for a live and in-person conference in Clearwater, Florida. Hear from the top industry leaders on industry hot topics. Each company will also be hosting pre- and post-event workshops. Don't miss out on the event of the year. To learn more about the Leading Reliability Conference and to register for the event, visit www.leadingreliability.com or check them out on LinkedIn. It's my pleasure to welcome back Bobby Lee to the podcast. Welcome back, Bobby. Hey, it's good to be here. So, Bobby, for those that may have missed your last episode and may not be as familiar with you, you work at Iridicio. You've been involved with maintenance and reliability for quite a while now, starting off in a couple different companies, working as reliability engineers, team leads, those types of roles. Although super brief, what can you tell us about yourself? Yeah, so uh, I started out from a maintenance apprentice right out of college and did that for a couple of years and worked myself into a maintenance mechanic role, the maintenance technician. Eventually went through the IBO program with Iridicio and was able to move into a reliability engineering position when I got done with that training at a different company. So been involved in maintenance and reliability for about nine years now and still learning every day, something new, it seems like. All right. Excellent. So one of the challenges with maintenance and reliability, as you can attest to, whether it's being on the floor, a team lead, a reliability engineer, any of those roles, is that sometimes you have to manage up. Mm -hmm. And managing up can be daunting. It can be scary. It can be intimidating. But it's something we need to do within any one of these programs or improvement initiatives, um, regardless whether it's in the storeroom, work planning, whatever. It has to be involved. So with that being said, what does it mean to actually manage up? Because I think there's a lot of confusion around that. Yeah, that's a a very good question. And managing up is something that is definitely, uh, that's, it's intimidating, right? Because you are at a lower level and then you're leading from that level. So you're stepping up and you're helping develop processes or people because you see their talents, skills, and gifts that they have to help with a certain problem. Right. So we might be put in these positions because whoever is in charge of us trusts us in those situations. All right. Excellent. Now, why would someone need to manage up? If you're put in that position and you're asked to do something, why would you have to manage up then? One advantage of of managing up is you have to step up and regardless of if somebody's out. So, for example, when I worked at Baxter, my superintendent was out and I had to go to meetings for him. He trusted me to be in those meetings because he saw how I dealt with people and how I managed different situations. So through that, he trusted me to be in those meetings and to speak on his behalf. Whether your superintendent's out or your supervisor or your planner or whatever the case may be, the show still goes on, right? Somebody still has to step up and take that lead and take that step in order to keep the ball rolling. All right. 
Excellent. Can you give us any examples of where you've had to manage up or lead up and what that taught you? Yeah, there's one that stands out specifically. I had a maintenance supervisor that was out. My maintenance superintendent was out and there was nobody else to go to these morning meetings. And I was just a maintenance technician. It seems like all throughout my career, even when I worked at a grocery store as a teenager, I was always having to step up into these leadership positions. It wasn't because I was a great leader or I did anything outstanding, right? Like I just knew my role and I did my job well. So with this instance at at work when everybody was out and I was the only one there, we had several machines down. We had mechanics that were out as well. And I had to go to these mechanics on one area of the plant and ask one of them to go back to a different area that he didn't even work in. So I was probably 25 at this time and asking this this grown man who's old enough to be my dad if he could go to a different area and work because we needed help. He had every right to say no to me. I had no authority in his life whatsoever and no control over what he did. But I think because of how much they respected me and how hard I worked, they knew that I was not asking them to do something that I wasn't willing to do myself or put myself in that position. If I was able to go back there, I would have done it. And and I think they knew that. Yeah, I think that is key. Um, earlier in my career, same thing. I was a maintenance supervisor and I had guys twice my age um, and I'd be asking them to go do something. But there wasn't a time where I wouldn't hesitate to crawl under that machine with them, look at the problem, help work on that problem with them, that sort of thing. And I think that's key. If people understand you wouldn't ask them to do something you wouldn't do yourself, that goes a long way. Oh, for sure. Like in those moments is when you earn people's respect, right? It's not then it's not just about an authority figure in their life telling them to do something. It's actually a true work companion who's helping them be better. And that's willing to jump in there and get their hands dirty. I will always respect more, have more respect for somebody if they're willing to get their hands dirty right along beside me. Yep. Absolutely. Now, if based on that experience and based on when you were leading up, if you had to give someone advice on how they would go about managing up or leading up, um, especially at a technician level, it's a little different. I think if you're a reliability engineer or a team lead, but when you're at a technician level, what would, what, how would you tell them to approach that? What advice would you give them? Cause that's a big change. It's a huge change. And like I said earlier, it, it's, it's intimidating. I believe in fully leading out of respect because when you earn your coworkers respect, they will move mountains for you. And I've seen that in my career in different places that I've worked is people just respected me and they knew how busy I was. And if I was asking them to do something, it was literally because I was tied up somewhere else and I couldn't do it myself. So I had the respect of my coworkers in the aspect of, you know, I'm not asking you to do this out of spot because I don't like you. I'm asking you to do this because I really need help. And I know that you're capable of doing this. Yeah, I think having that respect is critical. Building those relationships is critical. It's very hard to manage up or lead up if you don't have that personal relationship. Because then it just looks like, well, you're trying to tell me to, what to do. I don't know who you are. I don't care what you say, right? Um, you have to have that relationship first. Mm-hmm. And without that relationship, right, like you need to, you've got to know them. You've got to know their skill set and what they're capable of. Let's go back to the example 
where I needed that guy to go to another area of the plant and work. I knew that he had worked there before and I knew that he had the skill set to go back there and to help and to be able to um, help get machines up and running because he had the training and he had worked there before. It wasn't just, I know you've never been in this area. I just need a body there. No, it's because you also have the skill set and I know that. Yeah. Now, have you ever gotten pushback when you've tried the manager lead up? And if so, how did you overcome some of that? <laughs> Surprisingly, um, in that one situation, the guy was like, really? You're asking me to go back there when I'm, I'm here and they need me up here and all this other stuff. So I just draw back and I paint a big picture for them. Right? I, I remind them like, man, I would go if, if I was able to. But I have this down, this down, this down, and this down. If you want to go look at those, I'll go back there and do this. And it's, and it's an option at that point. So you can help me out with these or you can help me with this that I know you can do. Not saying that he couldn't have done these other things, but he was better gifted in this one area than the other four. And it's, it's, it's a hard balance. Some people are just going to really stand firm and not budge on that. And you just have to say, well, I, I appreciate it anyways. Sorry to bother you. Kind of roll on and just try to make things happen. Yeah, I think... You know, providing options, painting the big picture, some major, those are some pretty important steps to managing up. Um, the other thing I found is it's very similar to what you said, but it's, you know, providing the perspective. Mm -hmm. What's the big picture? How is this going to help achieve the goal or whatever it is, whether we're putting liquid in a bottle, we're building widgets or whatever it is, you know, how is this going to make sure the company does what we need it to do? Um Sometimes that high level helps. Other times, what I find is they don't care about that high, that big picture. They want to know how is it going to impact them in their day. So you got to shift that perspective a little bit and say, well, we need you to do this and here's how it's going to benefit you today or you this week, for example. Um, mm -hmm. You're not going to be able to work on your equipment if it, or uh, this weekend with all those projects you wanted to do if we're running through the weekend because this the other area isn't producing, right? So being able to provide those other perspectives I find help sometimes. Mm -hmm. Now, how intimidating is it to step up? Oh, it's super intimidating. I remember I went to a meeting one time and my superintendent was running late and I went to it. Some things were said I didn't agree with. And instead of speaking up, I went back to my superintendent when he got there and said, Hey, this kind of went on the meeting today. I didn't really agree with this. And just want to let you know, he's like, well, what did you say? I was like, well, I didn't say anything. He's like, well, Bobby Lee, I put you in that position because I trust your input and I expect you to speak up. So here I am sitting in a meeting full of production superintendents, production managers, maintenance superintendents, maintenance managers, maintenance supervisors even. And I'm still there on my maintenance superintendent's behalf. And somebody says something and then I speak up, right? And it was so interesting. I remember the first time I did it, I was super nervous and concerned. But then once I spoke up and I laid out all the data for them to see what I was talking about, it's like they understood and they started listening. And anytime I would speak up, they would just lean in a little bit more because I was earning their trust with each time I spoke up. And it was, I was super intimidated because like I said, here I am just a regular old maintenance technician, not a supervisor, not an engineer or anything at this point. And speaking to these people like I'm their equals, 
which I think is a, a good way to kind of look at it. I would like to thank you for listening and remind you that you can always find out more on maintenance, reliability, and asset management at www.iridicio.com and by following our blog. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is a proud member of the Reliability.fm network. I'd like to ask you to please rate and review this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. It ensures the podcast stays relevant and is easy to find by like-minded professionals. It is only with your ratings and reviews that the Rooted in Reliability podcast can continue to grow. I thank you for providing this small but critical support. We'll see you next week when we dive into another burning topic with Rooted in Reliability, your plant performance podcast. Yeah, it. I agree. Once you start that conversation, you get a little more comfortable with it, but putting yourself as an equal in that can be intimidating, especially as a young, younger guy um, or younger girl trying to do these types of things. It's, it's intimidating, right? Yeah, Here, I'm sure. 20 some years old. I can program a PLC or pull some wire. Cool. These guys <laughs> run the plant. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a huge, huge problem. And your, your own personal perspective. And that's what it is. It's your own personal perspective. It's not theirs. It's yours for the most part that holds you back in those situations, I find. Yeah. Now, for people that are potentially going to have to manage up or lead up in the future, how do you recommend they prepare for this? You know, that do they got to go take some public speaking classes? Do they need to go get a degree? You know, or is it way more simpler than that? I think it's way more simple than that. I think most people do that naturally. And if you're already in a position to where your supervisor or your superintendent leans on you, there's a reason. They see something in you that's that's calling them to push you in that area, to ask you to step up and to step out. Leadership is something Brene Brown defines it as seeing the potential in processes and people and helping develop that. Sometimes you don't need to go to school for that because you can just naturally do that. Like you see the people that's around you and you see what they're naturally gifted at. I remember in one of the meetings, a superintendent came to me and he said, we love it when you're in these meetings because you make things happen when you leave. Well, it wasn't because I did anything special. It's just that when they start naming off problems, I knew who was gifted in those areas and who could get the machine up and going the quickest. So I would go out, make phone calls and put people where they needed to be in order to make things happen. I think that if you work in your job and you're efficient, and you're good at what you do, those things will naturally flow out as well. Yeah, I think, I think so too. Um, you know, being able to identify what do we got to do? How are we going to do it? Having those conversations and just generally getting some stuff done. Um, there's a gentleman I follow for on podcasts, um, surprise, surprise. And he always refers to leadership capital. So he says you're either depositing it or you're consuming it mm-hmm. by following through on things, not pushing back on certain things, or every time something comes up, you're building capital. So that way, when you do have these asks, people will listen. And that's pretty much what you're saying is, you know, you would execute on these things, you would close these problems, eliminate these issues, and so on and so forth. You built a lot of cap- leadership capital that way. And then when you actually had something to speak up against, provide input to people listen because you have built that trust in that capital. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to constantly look at how do you build that capital? Because if you don't have it and you just push back all the time, people pretty soon aren't going to listen because oh, it's just so-and-so spouting off again. That's a great point. 
What do you think makes the biggest difference in successfully managing up? If you could pick one thing to tell people that are going to do this. I keep going back to respect. Um, it's just something I've seen work through all kinds of different situations and leading from respect. Like if you're going to manage up, you can't lead from authority. I, I deal with teenagers, mentor teenagers. I, I don't have authority in their life. But what I do have is I have their respect. They do things because they respect me, not because they fear me. And that's a big difference, too. When you can get somebody to do something because they respect you, there's just a great feeling that goes along with that. So leading from respect, especially at work, is is very important. And I think that's one of the biggest, biggest moves. Yeah. That respect... And there's also a term I hear a lot about, which is, um, or more and more as I'm getting into some of these things, but it's psychological safety. And it's Mm -hmm. one step further than trust. And it's a combination of trust, respect, and all these other things. But it's not so much that, you know, when I make, when I make a mistake, you're, you're going to listen, you're going to help understand how that was made, why it was made, those sorts of things. And we're going to work together to figure out the solution, not necessarily, you know, from a from an authoritative standpoint, put me in trouble. Um, having that respect, that trust leads to those things, which allows us to better manage up. Um, and I think that's important. We can't just always come down with the hammer. It doesn't work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And two, coming down with the hammer, you learn, I've learned, especially with teenagers that that doesn't really get you anywhere, right? It's better to have that coaching mentality with them and even at work, it can go the same way. It's just that coach and step back and say, let's look at this and, and go from there. Yep. Now, we've talked quite a bit about managing up. What's the one thing you want our listeners to take away from this? Just to, uh, just to be confident in your abilities to step up and to step out and to not worry about what your coworkers are going to say. I remember I caught so much grief because I was having to go to those meetings from older mechanics and technicians and stuff like that. And, you know, there's a saying, haters going to hate, so let them hate, you know, and you just keep on doing your thing. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, we don't step on people's toes to get there. We do it because we're hard workers and we're the hardest workers in the room and people trust our input and our value. So don't be afraid to step up and to step out. It's intimidating, but it's, it's worth it. Yep. It definitely is um, similar situation when I was an electrician way I got the maintenance supervisor job is having some meetings. I showed up with a notebook supervisor didn't even show up with a notebook, took some notes and all of a sudden those things that they asked for were getting done. Um, you know, it can be as simple as that. That first step is all it takes. Mm-hmm. Now this is a great topic. You know, it's always brought up. Lots of people are struggling with this. What are your resources for this? I know you mentioned Brene Brown, so Mm -hmm. she gets referenced a lot in a lot of the podcasts. Uh, Any specific works of hers or anyone else or any other resources that you have? Yeah, uh, I think I mentioned this resource in the last one. Brene Brown has a book called Dare to Lead, and it's about leadership. And it's just, it's a really good book, really good read. It's about leading from vulnerability, but it also helps you to see the value earning people's trust and building those relationships with those people. It's, it's a really good resource. Probably one of my favorites. All right. 
Excellent. We'll make sure to put some links to that. I know she's got some stuff on Netflix as well. If you're not the reading type, she's got a couple of specials, at least on Netflix up here in Canada. Um, so definitely a good resource there. Well, Bobby, I know conference season is still really not there with COVID and everything, but what else are you up to? Man, failure mode and effect analysis, uh, coaching students, uh, building equipment, maintenance plans, all that good stuff all the time. You know, it's always something going on, learning about different pieces of equipment that I've never seen before. That's super cool. And yeah, that's right now. That's kind of where I'm at. All right. Excellent. Now, if people have questions, can they get a hold of you? Yes, they can email me at my email is rgillum at iridishow.com. So feel free to reach out to me through email if you have any questions or comments. I would be more than happy to talk talk about any of this stuff with you guys. All right. Excellent. And if you want some pointers on FMEAs and EMPs, feel free to reach out to him as well. He'll be able to <laughs> give you a hand with some of those. That's right. Well, Bobby, thank you for taking the time to talk to us today about managing up. It's one of those topics, you know, we don't talk about enough because it happens every day in the plants. Um, we've got, people got to get comfortable with it. It's a critical thing that needs to happen. So thank you for taking the time today to talk to us about this. Greatly appreciate it. Yes, sir. Anytime. This podcast is brought to you by Iridicio. Be sure to check out iridicio.com for a free copy of their ebook, A Smarter Way of Preventative Maintenance. This ebook will allow you to review your current maintenance program and eliminate the non-value added work you're doing, which is most likely causing you more downtime than it is preventing. www.iridicio.com